You're listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Bible Church and Pastor Mark Kirkendall. We're so glad you've joined us today. And as always, you can find more information about the church at our website, BethelBible.com. You can find us on Facebook and even follow us on Twitter at Bethel Bible. Let's join Sunday service now. I want to invite you once again to the third book of John. This morning, we're going to do exactly like we did last week, and we're going to walk through this entire book of of 3 John. It is the shortest book in the New Testament, and you could have written it on one piece of papyrus. Small book, about 300 words in the original language, but it is packed with a great example for us. Last week, we summarized, and we looked at that letter And we talked about the first paragraph of our vision statement, and we talked about, you could summarize that by two words, of growing communities. So this morning, we are going to focus on the second second paragraph of our vision statement. This is how the second paragraph reads. Bethel is committed to becoming a leading center in East Texas for three things, Christian discipleship, leadership development, and advanced biblical education. And so as we grow communities, we want to be a part of growing communities of Christ-like disciples. And probably the thing I love about this vision statement more than anything is that this is a vision that is bigger than we could ever accomplish on our own. There's no way I could actually build a community of Christ-like disciples. But we are relying on God to do that, and we, we cry out for Him to do that. But if we are going to be a group of people that are growing communities of Christ-like disciples that are then shaping the world around them, then we also need to be a part about building leaders. So the first part, it talks about discipleship. Man, and that is everything from, we might call evangelism, of introducing someone to who Jesus is. But it's also helping them grow in greater knowledge of that. So that we would call that discipleship. There's also leadership development, meaning we want to help people discover how God has gifted them and then help them to use their gifts for God's kingdom. And that last part about leadership development. Man, we want to be leading people into a greater biblical knowledge, meaning we want people to know more about who God is and what He has done to the point that they are then teaching other people. And we want to continue that on. So we are a church that believes in growing communities and now building leaders. And man, leadership to me is something that is just fascinating. I love the idea and the strategy and the focus about leadership. I like reading about it. I love watching leadership take place. I like looking at the different models and modes and structures of leadership. Here's probably something I think about leadership often, that you could pick 20 books. You might could pick John Maxwell's Leadership 101 or Andy Stanley's Next Generational Leader or maybe even Bill Hybels' Contagious Leader. I mean, books that have been read multiple times over and over again. And you could read 20 books on leadership and you will have 20 different definitions of what leadership is. You know, someone said it's trying to like nail jello to the wall. It's just hard to do. But there's all these ideas of what is leadership. And one guy will say this, and one lady will say this, and they're trying to define this idea of leadership. But here's the interesting thing, that of all the definitions I have ever read or seen, 
they all have one word in common. And that word is influence. Meaning you can take leadership and you can boil it down to one word, influence. And I want to ask you, do you see yourself as a leader? I never did. I never saw myself as a leader. I was always the smallest kid. I really never excelled at sports. I never ran for the school offices. Those kind of terrified me. I never wanted to be in the spotlight. Uh, and I was one that would just kind of follow the crowd. I didn't want to really be out in front of what everybody was doing. Okay, that, that's fine with me. I'll go and do it. I never saw myself as a leader. But as I got older and got a little more gray, uh, began reading and, and studying and wanting to learn more and watching other people, I realized something about leadership and that if you have influence... You're a leader. Now, what you choose to do with it, how you choose to use it, that's different. But if you have influence, so how many, I've been ki- about to start kindergarten in here. Any of you kids about to start kindergarten? All right, moms are excited, nervous, all those sort of things. I mean, think about it. Even a kindergartner, we had several kids over at our house this week, and it was interesting to watch that they all, at some point or another, have influence over the others. And so, even down to the youngest, everybody that has influence, is a leader, or at least the opportunity to show leadership. Now that influence can be used in a positive or a negative way. So if everybody is a leader, then what is the best thing that we can do? I would say it's this. It is that we would have a biblical perspective of what leadership is. If we're all at some level leaders and we all have influence then we should have a biblical perspective of what that is because the last thing Bethel needs to be a part of is building leaders that are not leading according to what the Bible says. So we're going to look at the shortest book, the third John. And as Christianity began to spread, John does in this letter what he hasn't done in the previous ones. John is going to highlight Because there were some things to celebrate, there were also some problems to address, and John addresses a problem. What he's going to do, in 3 John, he's going to address how believers and churches should extend Christian aid. In this letter, you're going to see two leaders that are extending Christian aid properly, and one who is not. So I want to begin in 3 John, and I want to read the first eight verses. This is what the Word of the Lord says. The elder... To the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. And I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Beloved, it is a faithful thing that you do in all your efforts. For these brothers, strangers as they were, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that they may be fellow workers for the truth. So John identifies himself as an elder, an elder as someone that was an overseer that would care for other people. John is probably in his late 80s, early 90s, right before he is sent to exile on the island of Patmos. But John is an older gentleman who wanted to use his influence 
in the lives of others to lead them to a greater Christ-likeness. That is what John wanted to do. Even in his twilight years, he wanted to be used to help people progress in their sanctification and to become more like Jesus Christ. Now, man, I want you to know, if you are here this morning and you would put yourself in that upper quadrant of our age, Man, I want you to know how thankful I am that you are here. I understand, I look out, and we tend to look like a very young congregation. But we need people of all generations coming together to be the bride of Christ, to be the body. And so if you are in that older group, I want you to know we need you. We want you here. And I hope you are finding a way to influence and to use your influence into the life of others, whether it's in life groups or teaching or in greeting, that there is something you're doing that your influence is being used. I want my children to grow up to know people that are older than them, that are older than their parents, that they can look to, that we can say, you know what, that couple right there, man, that is a marriage that, that you should strive to have. It is not perfect, but you know what? There is a couple there, that person there, that is an older gentleman. Man, watch how he interacts with people. Watch how he listens to them. We need people like John. You know, this section is where John brings this issue to light. So what was happening is these traveling missionaries would pass from town to town, and basically they would have enough to get them to the next location. They would come to the town, they would look for a group of people, hopefully a church or an individual, to care for their needs, to give them a place to rest, to give them some food, and then hopefully to give them enough to then take the gospel to the next city. And they were dependent upon these people at each and every stop of the way. And once the support stopped, then they would have to wait and they would have to look. But all because they wanted the gospel to continue growing and reaching more people. And John introduces us to a man that was one that people loved to be around, this man named Gaius. I mean, what Gaius was doing, he was using his resources so that they could be used in the lives of other people. Gaius was a man of great influence. He was a man that used what he had in the lives of other people so that he could be a partner with the gospel that would go to people that he may never reach and he may never know. But he wanted to be a part of that. He wanted to use his influence to, uh, in the lives of other people. What we see about this man, Gaius, is that he was a selfless leader. He wanted to be used. He wanted to use what God had given him to help other people. He was a man that had influence. And he used it not for selfish gain. But instead, he opened up his life to other people. He was selfless. Now, I began by saying that everyone is a leader. Because we all have influence. And what is important is how we use the influence that, that God has given us. And Gaius wanted his influence to be used by God to benefit other people. He said, God, you've given me this, but I want to use it for other people. Next week we'll talk long about what it means to live generously. But now John wants us to see a man who is using his influence not for God's glory, but for his own. Look at verses 9 through 11. I have written something to the church. But Diotrephus, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers. And he also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil. 
but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God, and whoever does evil has not seen God. So to Diotrephus, he also has influence. In some ways, he is a leader, but with a very different perspective. Diotrephus has received some letters from John, and it says that he hid them from those in the church. Now, why would you hide a letter from the apostle John to the church? Well, it's because his focus was so inwardly driven. If a traveling missionary came to this town, he refused to help them. I mean, why would he refuse to help somebody that was to be a partner in the gospel? And he even went as far as to forbid other people that he had influence over and would have them put out of the church. Well, Gaius was a leader that was driven by compassion. We see love, generosity, and he wanted to see God's kingdom being built and the gospel spreading. But Diotrephus, he was a leader that was driven by pride, arrogance, selfishness, and he would do anything to protect his kingdom. Diotrephus was willing to go to any length to build and protect his own little kingdom. And he was so threatened by these letters and other people coming in. And he would go to great lengths to protect what he was building and his pride and his power. He would do anything to protect those. So what we see is that both of these leaders have influence. But their focuses were extremely and totally different. So let me ask us, what kind of leader? Do you want and do you desire for your family and those in your family to be? To be? And probably we would all say, absolutely, we want to be like Gaius and not like Diotrephus. Man, we want to be outward focused. We want to be using what God has given us to, to invest and to be used in other people's lives. Well, John concludes by saying, imitate Gaius because he's an example of of one that has seen God, and not to imitate the other who has not seen. But I want us to see after this is that even though we would say, you know what, yes, I want to be like Gaius. I want to be like him. I want my leadership and my influence to be used. But we are all in danger of something that I want to show us at the end that is very scary, that we are all in danger of really being like Diotrephus. Let's read the last uh, three or four verses. The last person we see is Demetrius. Have received a good testimony from everyone. And from the truth itself. We also add our testimony. And that you know our testimony is true. I had much to write you. But I would rather not write in pen and ink. I hope to see you soon. And then we will talk face to face. Remember last week mouth to mouth. I mean I want to be in your presence. Peace be to you. The friends greet you and greet the friends each by name. So this last person that John shows us is Demetrius. And John wants us to end on a positive note. Gaius was positive, Diotrephus negative, and he comes back with Demetrius, another positive. And Demetrius is a person also of great influence. Therefore, he is a leader. And the word of his attitude and his actions was traveling from town to town, all the way back to the church of Jerusalem. And everybody that had anything to say about Demetrius, every time it was positive. 
man, that is a great tale of leadership. It isn't me stepping up and saying, hey, listen, I'm a great leader. I've done all of these things. But you know what? Ask the people that somebody has influence on. You know, you're in a leadership position. Man, the, the, the most appropriate thing to do to find out what kind of leader they are isn't to ask that person, but ask those that they have influence over. What kind of leader are they? And Demetrius was one that everybody had a positive thing to say about. And then John lays this jewel in verse 12. Because all three men, all who have influence and all are leaders, but one is not like the other. These men probably all face the same issues. You know, if I share with these missionaries, man, I'm not going to have enough for the things I want. Or if I help these men, then everybody's going to kind of expect it. Or if I help this missionary, what happens if the people start listening to them and and they want to be around them more than me? But there's one factor that separates Gaius and Demetrius from Diotrephus. Gaius and Demetrius centered their lives in verse 12 on the truth. And Diotrephus... He centered his life around himself. They were willing to live for God's kingdom, and Diotrephus was willing only to live for his own kingdom. They wanted and they had influence, and they wanted that to be for God's glory. But Diotrephus, he only wanted to use his influence for his own. And so the question we have to ask is, whose kingdom and for whose glory am I investing my influence for? So what I want to do now, I want to kind of close this uh, book today talking about what it means to grow leaders. And I want to get real practical. And to do this, I'm going to get a little nerdy. Uh, I want to share with you, I told you I find leadership fascinating. And when I like to read books on it, and I like to see how people lead. And there is a perspective of leadership that, that I seem to keep running back to and back to. And I, I want to share with you there are three leadership perspectives that we see in the Bible. And you have one of these. Yes, you may be in in one of two camps, just like you would in the love language or thing like this, but you will mostly land in one of these three. I want to share with you, then I'll close by showing how we have to be real careful of our leadership perspective, how it doesn't turn into being like Diotrephus. So even in the Old Testament, it begins all the way through the New, we see three major leadership perspectives. And it's the prophet, the priest, and the king. Now, Jesus fulfills all of these offices absolutely perfect. So I want to talk through what these are, and I want to see if you can identify which one you are. So the first one is a prophet. I would summarize the prophet this way. It brings God's truth to God's people. They value doctrine and biblical accuracy. They are focused on the message from God to other people. And they use their influence to teach God's word. Their influence is to bring God's truth to God's people. People like Jonah. Remember he was told to go and to take this message to the people? Like Isaiah or Joel. Even John the Baptist. He's a messenger of God. Now Jesus He was the only one that was the absolute perfect prophet. He proclaimed God's truth. He corrected errors in people. And he even protected people from the wolves and sheep's clothing. He guarded doctrine. He did not want anybody to be led astray. So you know what? You're a prophet if this this rings a bell with you. You love doctrine. You love reading books 
and learning. Man, you are happy to have your Bible and a cup of coffee. You like to read books by other people that they have written of great theologians. And you probably own Wayne Grudem's 1,291-page systematic theology. Well, actually, everybody should own that. But um, you, you value truth. And you are concerned about theological and biblical accuracy. So here's what you do. When you come into a church, maybe you come into this church, you're asking questions like, what does this church believe? You're reading their doctrinal statement. You, you want more and more Bible study. You value protecting what is true and right. And you want more people to love God's Word as you do. If they could just love God's Word like you do, you know the world would be a better place. So that's you if you're a prophet. And then there's the priest. The priest is bringing God's people to God's truth. And you value meeting people's needs. You're focused on people. And priests were the ones who went to God on behalf of others. They were kind of interceders. Their influence was to bring God's people to God's truth like Moses and Aaron and even Melchizedek. And Jesus, he was the only one that was the perfect priest. He loved he interceded for people. Remember that, that scene in the garden? He was patient. He was long-suffering. He sat with the woman at the well. He healed the paralytic man and the lame, and he fed the hungry. If you're a priest, your gifts are things like encouragement and mercy, and you value relationships. If you're a priest, you love people. You want to give and to give and to give to others. You value outreach and service projects and mission trips to dig water wells. And you want more life groups where people can come and to share and to pray for one another. You value relationships and focus on loving and caring for other people. So here's what you do. You come into a church and the first thing you want to know is, uh, how are you reaching out to other people? How, are, how is this church meeting the needs of other people. You know, you want to know what we're doing in our communities, in our world, and all over. What are we doing to care for the needs of people? Are we providing shoes and, and clean water and housing and education? Are we caring for other people? And you are one that you just want to give a cold cup of water to someone in need. And then there's the king. You're a king if you're bringing God's authority and God's rule and uh, to God's people. You value task. You providing structure and strategy. You lead and you're focused on task. And kings are the ones focused on the big picture. Inspiring and leading others to a greater vision and purpose. The king's influence was to bring God's authority and rule into people's lives for something better. Men like David, Hezekiah. And even that young king, Josiah, that was used by God to lead people. You know, Jesus was the only perfect king. He called others to follow, follow after me. He distributed leaders. He put people in charge, and he gave gifts to people. He was steward, taught them about stewardship and how they were to give it upset him when they were using his father's place of worship only for personal gain. And he was advancing God's kingdom. And he taught people how to do that. 
Kings have the gift of leadership and administration and vision casting. So you're a king if you love tasks and systems and strategies. You value spreadsheets and budgets and the most effective way of accomplishing a goal so that you can then accomplish other goals. You like to see people using their gifts that God gave them efficiently and effectively. Here's what you do. You come to a church and the things that you're looking at, you're looking around, you're concerned about our discipleship strategy, our budgets, our facilities, our real estate, our parking, our software, all the things that make things happen. You're concerned about our technology and you want to know, is the church practicing good stewardship of the resources that God has blessed them with? And you're, you're following and you want to follow the most effective route to accomplishing something. And that is the king. So let me ask you, which of the leadership style that you would put yourself in and then which one matters the most? And see, the truth is that they all do. We need to be biblical. We need to be loving. And then we need to be effective. We need to... Uh, it does not honor God when we don't care about truth, when we're not ter- caring about those in need, and we're being wasteful. It doesn't honor Him. So as believers, we are called to care about all three of these. And in fact, we are to use all three of these. We're called to be prophets, to speak truth into people's lives. We are called to witness to the truth before unbelieving friends and neighbors. We are to be able to give an answer for the hope that we have And we are to hold doctrine in the highest degree. We're also called to be priests. We're to love our neighbors as ourselves. We're called to care about the widow and the orphan and those in crisis. We are to go before God on behalf of others who are hurting and to intercede for them. And we're called to be kings. We're called to care about how we steward what God has given us. We need to help others see how God has gifted them we're to care about God's plan and to call others to something greater than what they can see and greater than themselves. But here's the danger. We can operate in our leadership perspective and to say, I have no need for the others. You're a prophet, and you're just going to say, we just need more Bible studies. We need to get more people around God's word. If you're a priest, you can say, you know what? We just need to love people more. And if you're a king, You're just thinking, you know what, if we were just more efficient with our strategies that we already have and our money, then that is how things should be. And what happens is all of a sudden our preference becomes our prejudice. And then we move like being like Diotrephus. All of a sudden the goal is not that the church would reflect Jesus to the world, but that the church would reflect me and what I value. You see, here's the truth. We need All kinds of leaders. We need those that love budgets and systems and stewardship because we like lights and we like air conditioning. And we need systems that are in place of helping us do things that we never could do without a plan. I'm so excited to hear last week we own an acre and a half in Sierra Leone that we're going to be building schools and churches. And the thing is, we couldn't do that without kings. You know what? We need people that are priests that will just love people. That's why we have life groups and ways to serve our community and to care for those in need. To have people that greet you when they walk in. To say, good morning, it's glad to see you. We're glad you're here. We need priests. And we need 
We need prophets. We need people that care about doctrine. We need Bible studies to teach, sermons that are, that are biblical and not just pep talks or ways to improve our lives. And I'm thankful that we have different leaders so that we can accomplish what God has for us. And I love that we have the different Because if we lose any one of those three, we lose what the church is supposed to be. It is supposed to be a body that is functioning as different members, but is one. So I want to close this morning with two ways. First of all, I want to show you in just a moment a list of people that I want you to know. In fact, you need to know these people. And then second, we're going to have a special time of commissioning some leaders here today. So um, I want to show you a list of people. Um, We set this campus up with a certain thing in mind. We established this campus with the mindset that we always wanted it to be a team-based approach, meaning there will become a day that we'll hire some people for this or that, but we never want to lose sight of this is not a person. This is not built on Mark. This is not built on Drew. It is a team of people. And this is exciting to me. Right now, as of today, I believe we have, and I pray I have not left anybody off, 13 team leaders. Drew Boring, he is not the worship team. He is the worship team leader that leads the team. Because I'm telling you, that baseline this morning, that was awesome, Chad. Awesome. Yes, we miss Karen. That was great. To, to those that Mari Carmen and Tara and Ashley that sing and, and, and add to that. Corey Mason. Corey Mason is not Connections, but he leads that Connections team. You've seen other men rotate in. But he's the leader of that team. Steve Hudson, he is not here today. Uh, he's traveling, seeing family. But he is our hospitality team. He is the one that makes sure this place looks great. He's always got coffee and, and water and muffins and cookies and things for, for us to enjoy. But he wants to host us well. But when he is not the hospitality, he leads that team. And so I believe Bobby was even here this morning helping get all of that ready. So Steve leads that team. Grant Riley, he's our media team leader. Grant makes sure that, um, that he's got people in place. He's always looking for other people to train. He creates a schedule where they share that load. And, and Grant does many other things, but he is not the media team. He is the media team leader, Bill Kenny. Bill is our, our worship arts team leader. I'm telling you, this guy spends hour after hour doing things that give you something to look at where you're just not staring at me and words for us to sing with and scriptures for us to read. Spends hours and hours preparing those. And he leads that team to Karen Mason, who is our new greeting and assimilation team leader. She wants you to come in and to feel welcomed. And she wants to help you find your place. She wants to lead a group of people that are using their influence to make this a welcoming and a friendly place. Emily Boring and, and uh, Allison Carr are the ladies that lead our nursery and preschool team. Man, they're the ones that are out there every Sunday. They're making sure we have volunteers in place, that we have supplies that we need, that the lessons are being taught, and they're leading that team. To Brittany McMahon, our new Bethel Kids team leader. If you haven't walked up the stairs, you need to see her and Adam today. Great job on this chalkboard. It looks so cool about school beginning. It's got all the, the uh, birth dates listed. Uh, but Brittany McMahon, she is not uh, our Bethel kids. She leads our Bethel kids team to elementary kids. Brad Cook just recently stepped up to be our youth 
team leader on Sunday mornings. He is there. He is going to now be building a team to invest in the lives of our teenagers. Ashley Cook, his wife, she's our missions committee team leader. She's the one that goes to the meetings that is our voice and ears and brings that stuff back for how we can be a part. And she, her job is to lead a team of people that are praying and are keeping missions in front of us. To Tara Smith, who is our community outreach team leader, she wants to build a team that helps us serve our community, that we are reaching out and loving people. Marie Riley, Marie leads our child care team, and she is one that women provides the Bible study, child care to life groups, to any meetings and discover Bethels that we have. And let me tell you, she is not just watching children. She brings lessons and she wants to teach them God's truth. And man, I'm telling you, some are prophets, some are priests, and some are kings. But all of these people have influence and they are all leaders. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray about which area you need your influence and your, your influence should be used in. And then find one of these people. And if you're not for sure who they are, you just look for a brown name tag and you say, I need to know who Brittany is because I want to use my influence. And we will get you to the right person. We all need to start using our influence for God's glory and to build Christ's church. And so here's what I want to do the last thing. And this is a special, special time for us today. We're going to have a time of commissioning our new elders and deacons. This morning, I want to invite, and I'm going to have you guys kind of stand up over here. Y'all can stand in, in any order. That's fine. Paul Keel is not here today. Uh, Paul Keel is one of our elders. I want to invite Kent Miller, Corey Mason, Drew Boring, Grant Riley, and Charlie Crum. If y'all could come up here this morning. Man, I love these guys. I could not be more excited about having them a part of this. Been praying about this for a long time. And so here's what we're going to do. Uh, we've got some stuff that I'm going to read. I'm going to challenge them. There's going to be some stuff you're going to be a part of. And so, man, I'm going to read a couple of things and walk us down through. And I had to write it down because I could not remember it all. And I wanted this to be guided by God's truth and not my words. So Jesus taught us how to think about the spirit of true leadership when he said in that Matthew chapter 20. Whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So these men are set aside to provide service, protection, and leadership to us as a church. Elders are those that are here to care about and to oversee this local body of believers. They're here to pray for you, to care for you, to visit with you, and to counsel with you. In church, they are here for you. Seek that out. Deacons are those loving servants. They are here to serve this local body. They are going to be looking for ways not only to serve you, but to find ways that they can lead us to serve others better. So I have six questions I'm going to ask our elders and our deacons. And then two questions I will ask you church, members of Bethel. And so elders, you can simply respond to these with an I do. And hopefully we can do that in unison. Do you affirm your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? 
Do you believe the scriptures of the Old and the New Testaments to be the word of God and totally trustworthy, fully inspired by the Holy Spirit, the final and the only infallible rule of faith and practice? Do you sincerely affirm the essential doctrines of Bethel Bible Church? Do you promise to submit to your fellow elders and deacons in the Lord? Will you be faithful and diligent to endeavor by the grace of God to love and defend the proclamation of the gospel in your manner of life and to walk with humility and strength before this congregation? Are you now willing to devote yourself to prayer, the ministry of the word, and the ministry to God's people, relying upon the grace of God in such a way that Bethel Bible Church and the entire Church of Jesus Christ will be blessed. So to elders, the charge is to you, is to guard yourself and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he has bought with his own blood. Acts 20, 28. By word and example, support God's people in their pain and their weakness And celebrate their joys with them. Be compassionate yet firm and consistent in rebuke and in discipline. Be prepared to share the gospel with the lost as you grow in your knowledge of the scriptures. And to pray continually for the church. And you deacons, the charge to you is to inspire faithful service to this church. Be an example. Remind us of the truth of Luke 12 that says for everyone... Who has been given, much is to be demanded. Be compassionate to be to the needy. Encourage everyone with words that create hope in their hearts and with deeds that bring joy into their lives. Let your lives be above reproach as you live as an example of Jesus Christ prepared to share the gospel news of Him. And now, congregation, and I don't mean this to make anyone uncomfortable, but Um, this is going to be for those that are members of this church. If you would, please stand. I'm going to read some questions. I'm going to read two statements. The first one, if you believe this and you agree to this church, respond with your, we do. Do you, members of Bethel Bible Church, acknowledge and publicly receive these men as elders and deacons, as gifts to Christ, to this church, If you agree, please, with we do. Will you love and pray for them and their families in their ministry and work together with them humbly and cheerfully that by the grace of God you may accomplish the mission of the church, giving them all the honor and support due in their leadership to which the Lord has called them by the glory and the honor of God of God, if you agree with your we will. So congregation, I charge you as people of God to receive these men as Christ's gift to our church. Recognize in them the Lord's provision for healthy and a congregational life. Hold them in honor. Take their counsel seriously. Respond to them with respect. Accept their help with thanks. Hold them up in prayer. And encourage them with your support, especially when they feel burdened in their office. And they will. 
Acknowledge them as the Lord's servants among you. I want to close with a word of prayer. Our merciful Father in heaven, we thank you that you have provided faithful and gifted men to serve as elders and deacons. And as these men step into this responsibility, I pray that you would fill them with your spirit, fill them with wisdom, and grant them strength. Under their guidance, may our church grow numerically, but more importantly, in spiritual health, in faith, in grace, and in committed service that proclaims you to the world. Help them to perform their duties with enthusiasm and humility in their work. Grant them a sense of sustained excitement and awe for what you are doing that is rooted in daily adoration of you, Lord. Lord, I pray for time in your word for them. I pray for time in their schedules for prayer. I pray that you give them time with their families, that they lead them well. And through all of them, may they be honored, may we respect them, may we follow their leadership. Help us as people to accept them with joy and with gladness, to encourage them always and respect them for the sake of your precious son. Lord, we are thankful this morning for these men. We're excited about the future. And we ask all of these things in the name of your son and by the power of your spirit, we pray, amen. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We hope that you were blessed and encouraged. And if you have any questions or comments, we want you to let us know. Simply send your thoughts to questions at BethelBible.com. Thanks for spending time with us and be sure to join us next week on the Bethel Bible Podcast.